guys. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So, um, this is kind of the most awkward intro, maybe, I've ever recorded for this podcast, because I know my next is listening. A thousand percent, I know my next is listening. Uh, and because of that, uh, you know, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about what happened this week to me. Um, you know, I've been covering my DV trial on this podcast for the past couple of weeks and been sharing what is public information about, you know, the trial and what's going on because the evidence is submitted. Um, and I did mention that I accidentally logged into court as dimming the gaslight by accident. Um, but I received a motion this week from my next and her attorney, um, mainly about bills. The, the majority of the motion is about bills, and um, I don't know what she thinks. Um, I got plenty of documentation and evidence to back up my expenses um, when it comes to my debt, um, what her false allegations have sent me into in terms of financial distress. Um, so I really don't know what she's thinking, but, you know, she does mention the podcast in the um, motion and things are taken out of context, um, which I can refute. So uh, I'm, I am taking the motion seriously, of course, and my next is going to find out how seriously I'm taking this motion um, because you know what? I don't think she's going to be happy with the outcome. Now, that being said, I have an idea um, that I want to show the courts what this podcast has meant to people. Um, I have listeners and followers from all over the world, and uh, you guys have certainly changed my life. And I know how much doing this has meant to me, and I hope it's meant as much to you as it's meant to me. So I'm imploring my listeners, if you want to be a part of this, please send me an email to dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com and tell me what this podcast has meant to you in your healing journey, and I'm going to supply it to the courts, because the victims should not be silenced. Your voice should be heard, your story should be heard, and so should mine. And we will keep this anonymous, we will keep their names a secret, but we should not have to keep the abuse that we endured a secret. So I'd appreciate if you listen to this. Send an email to dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com and please just tell me what this podcast has meant to you. What do you enjoy? What do you like? What does it mean to you? Um, and you can sign it anonymously if you want to sign with your Instagram username or social media username. That's fine by me. If you want to use your real name, that's fine by me. Um, but the point is I want to put the point across that this has meant a lot to a lot of people and it certainly has meant a lot to me and it's a, the most important part of my healing journey. So, so yeah, if you would, please send that email and, uh, you know, leave a review on Apple because that's another thing I can show the judge. Um, okay. So I was kicking around the idea of doing, um, an episode to recap the motion doesn't necessarily seem like good timing, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but the good news is I have a great guest that I connected with on social media. She and I have similar interests when it comes to music and art and things like that. And uh, she's just a down-to-earth, really sweet woman. So I wanted to bring her on the podcast, and I think you guys are going to like this episode. So check it out. All right, everybody. Welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So I have a guest with me today. She and I connected on Instagram. She started following my podcast and we started bonding over music. 
And it turns out we have very similar musical tastes. And then it turns out that we have very parallel lives when it comes to this whole narcissistic abuse situation. So I'm bringing in Lexi Marshall. Lexi, say hi to everybody. Hi. Welcome to the show. You and I are, are very similar in our personalities. We just had a good conversation offline. It sounds like you and I have a lot in common. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, we're bonding over like, you know, our musical tastes and how we're branching out and stuff. But she reached out to me and she said, like, listen, I've been listening to your podcast and holy crap, there's so many similarities between you, what you and I went through. Um, so she is starting her own podcast. Do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast and some of the things that you have coming down the pike? Okay, so yeah, um, my podcast is going to be called um, Unsync Pod, and it's going to be about um, abuse or just really any trauma and trauma healing, kind of like what I did to heal on my own journey. And then um, I want to bring guests on to talk about their healing journeys and uh, just different things that they did to try to like fix the mess that these narcissists and these abusers like turn our brains into, you know? And so like, I just think, Healing is different for, for everybody and everybody might have different ways that work for them. So I want to bring on a bunch of different people and just share their stories and what's working, what's not working. And just so that people have a space where they're like, oh, wow, that idea sounds really great. Maybe I'll try that. Or just really anything that they want to do to like help themselves because it's kind of like I wish I had had that hand extended to me when I was first on my journey because I did everything myself, learned everything, like did the research all on my own and didn't have really anyone to like teach me or show me at a lot of times on this podcast like there's a version of me just a couple weeks out of leaving my home and i'm catatonic on the floor i'm throwing up and i in my brain i'm thinking nobody fucking gets me i'm the only person in the world who has gone through this shit and then you find this community and i you know we find people like each other and we're like no i relate to you i relate to you i relate to you and then suddenly there's thousands if not millions of people that we can relate to so i love that you're starting your own podcast and you're gonna start your own community and, 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 you know, like bring awareness to this whole situation. So let's get into your story a little bit. How did you meet your narcissist? What were those immediate love bombing stages like? And, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. So I met my abuser in March of 2018 at a, um, underground warehouse called Bedlam in Arizona. And, um, he DJed my birthday party and like, um, I was never really a popular kid in high school and stuff, you know, like got bullied the whole nine. Um, and so when we first met, you know, he was giving me an interest and stuff and I thought he was so cool, you know, he's cool DJ and everything, you know. And so I was like, wow, this guy's so awesome. He'll never like me. And so then we start dating. I'm like, oh my God, this guy actually likes me. And so I was like enamored by him, you know, and then we had um, a clothing get a uh, clothing brand together called Sushi Gang. And um, that was like a streetwear line. I love sushi. I've been eating it my whole life. It's like my favorite food. So that was like an extra layer of like, wow, this guy has a clothing brand centered around my favorite food. This is like husband material right now, you know? And so he's like, I want you to work on the brand. And like, it wasn't really a brand at the time. And so I created a logo, created a hashtag, did all the like marketing and stuff behind it and like turned it into an actual like company and not just an idea. And so I was like, you know, you can tour and like do the whole DJ thing and then I'll work on the clothing brand. And, you know, like we were getting VIP to all these different clubs and like he was kind of locally big, you know, had a manager, the whole that whole vibe. And so I was like living for it, you know, like VIP everywhere. We get bottle service. You know, I thought I was like a celebrity. Girls are coming up to me in the bathroom like, oh, my God, is that your boyfriend? 
you know? And so I was just, you know, hugely love bond. Like, you know, it wasn't even like uh, rose colored glasses. It was like, you know, neon, just like amazing. Like everything was amazing. And so going from that to then. Oh, but what you wanted, like you're big into like music and like that whole scene. And like you said, like, you know, your sushi. So it was like kind of like a moth attracted to a flame, right? Like you almost couldn't resist. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So, you know, he put, you know, how they do, they put you up on pedestal. They give you all these compliments. You know, you're so amazing, da, 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 you know, and then slowly it starts getting chipped away at of just like, oh, you're going to wear that. You look like a slut. Don't wear that, you know, or just like belittling me in front of his manager. Let me ask you this. Was there anything like, you know, so you said he was kind of like a local celebrity of sorts. Did like he have like groupies or like were you a reflection on him? So you just said like he make you dress a certain way. Was there like, hey, you have to be a reflection on me and he would bring you down so that you weren't the reflection on him and you were always trying to build back up to making him happy? Yeah, I definitely think it kind of turned into that, you know, because like um, he really had like groupies per se. I mean, girls would like flirt with him if they were around or whatever. I was never really threatened by it, you know, because I was just like, no, that's like the one thing I never really had to worry about was him cheating on me. I just had to worry about everything else, you know, and so... um. Um, no, I mean, it, there were just comments of like, oh, if I gained weight, you're too fat. Or if I lost weight, you know, and I was like 103 pounds. And he's like, well, now you're too skinny. Oh, I'm like, oh, well, great. Can't win. Awesome. Um, so that whole thing was awesome and great. You know, like, can't win with those people. You just can't, you know. Um, did, did you ever be like, well, what do you want from me? Like, how do you want me to dress or... How do you want me to look? I mean, was it always like comments on your appearance or was it comments on your demeanor or was it comments on your personality and things like that? Um, it was kind of everything. You know, he would just call me dumb and stupid. It got to a point where um, I didn't know what to say to upset him because he'd get mad at me for everything. And so I got to like three phrases of like, I love you. I'm sorry. And I don't know because you can't say no. I got a black eye for saying no. So you can't say no. So, um, it's, I don't know because you can't say no. So my way of getting around that was, I don't know, you know? And so he would start getting mad at me for saying those things. Like, is, are those the only three things you know how to say? You can't say anything else. You're so dumb, you know? You're, And so I'm like, well, in my head, I'm like, well, I can't say anything else because if I literally say anything else, it'll turn into a fight or you'll, you'll find something wrong with what I'm saying. So those felt like the safe words, I guess, you know, for me. Completely get that. How did he kind of like reel you back in after that? Because he sounds like that sounds like pretty serious degrading and devalue. How what were like the circumstances where he would get you back to being enamored with him? Um, well, I mean, like I was always just kind of enamored by him, even when I was like upset with him and like thought that, you know, it wasn't good. He was like magic to me. Like I watched him win like $50 off of scratchers. We'd go to casinos and he would like we believe in manifestation and stuff and so like i just believed that he was like this magic like god almost you know kind of like have you ever seen bad vegan where uh okay so like she this guy tells this chick that he's gonna make her dog immortal and she believes him and like and so it was kind of like that where he could literally tell me anything i'd be like you are a magic human and yes it'll probably happen and 
relatively successful. So you're like, you must have the blueprint to success and love and fame and admiration. And like, you must know what you're doing. So I've got to do what you say. Yeah. And so I kind of like took his word for. Yeah. Mine was like a social media celebrity like that. Like she had notoriety and popularity in her town and she was kind of not a social media celebrity. I wouldn't say that, but like, just like she had this squeaky clean image that couldn't be like broken or anything like that. So yeah, I just thought she knew she knew better than me. Yeah. Yeah. And plus I was so young. Like when I met him, I was 23 and, um, he was, he was born in 87. So he would be like 30 something, I think. And he initially lied to me and said that he was 27. And then I found out, no, that's not true. Then it was 29. Then I come to find out when I actually see his driver's license, he's in his 30s. And I was just like, wow. So we're lying about our age. And I almost broke up with him at that point. You know, but of course, he found, I don't remember what he said, but he found a way to explain him, whatever. I was like, okay, whatever. I love you. So it, it's fine. You know, and so I was yelling, man. Were you in that relationship at that time when you discovered? Was that the first lie you discovered? Yeah, yeah. No, that was pretty on in our dating relationship. Like, we had just started dating. But then, you know, of course, he comes in and he starts showering you with sushi and all this stuff. And, you know, the 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 um upset of the age thing goes away real quick because, you know, age is just a number. And what does it really matter? You know, I'm having a good time. So who cares, right? It's just a number, you know. Already down the road. So, like, yeah, age is just a number. No, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So like, I don't, it's just, it amazes me now looking back of all the things I like ignored, you know, all the little red flags and stuff that I probably should have been like, that's a bad thing. If he's willing to lie about his age, what else is he willing to lie about? What else is he, you know, capable of? And I never really asked those questions, you know, so what are we uncovered? Oh, oh my God. Um, where do I, yeah, we're going to go in. It's, um, he, um, had a ex that he had a child with he has two other children right that he's not paying child support on right and so the first kid was in alabama with his ex um not gonna say her name but uh, and he had claimed that it wasn't his kid she cheated on him with his friend and it was the friend's kid and then the same story with the other one that was in arizona three years before me uh that's not my kid uh she cheated on me and i was just his name was on the birth certificate he's like I'm just raising this child because my friend died and I feel like a responsibility to raise this child because it's my friend's kid. Well, no, you don't have any responsibility because you're not even paying child support and that, like, the whole thing is a bullshit lie. So don't come at me with that shit. You know? So, um, yeah. So he, there were lots of lies. There were lies across the board. You know? Like, like, and the thing is, is, like, the way you just explained that, right? Like, he's saying, like, oh, yeah, my name's on the, uh, well, the name on the birth certificate doesn't make any sense. But like, you know, being like, yeah, she cheated on me, but I feel, a why would you feel a responsibility if she cheated on you? That doesn't make any sense. No. Oh, this is the kind of lies that like all of us, we sit down, we take a step back because we're rational, normal human beings. And we start kind of dissecting it and poking holes in it. And we go like, but wait, there's, but wait, there's more. Like we stand up wait, that doesn't add up and that doesn't add up. And like, I don't know what it is about us that we kind of like, I guess we think like they're never going to come clean. So like we just accept the answer. I don't know. What do you think that is? Like, because it really doesn't add up. I think it's love. I think it's literally, it's love. We're so blinded by love 
that we don't i don't think i wanted to see it i don't think like i really wanted to like see the like disgusting behavior that was like lying right underneath the surface because i think i was just so in love with the idea i don't think we're even in love with the person i think we're in love with this idea that we've created in our minds of this person and we don't want that that vision of this perfect idea and stuff to be shattered yeah so we kind of look past it sweep it under the rug because we don't want to see it because we love that person you know so that was poignant and you're you're spot on absolutely spot on so yeah keep going so um you know the whole you found him in the lie about the kids what else um i mean there were just lots of lies like that you know i mean it's hard to pinpoint, you know, and it just felt like every day I got, oh, here's a great gaslighting story. Um, one time we went to the mall and he had this nice uh, Calvin Klein backpack. We got hummus and pita. And I told him, do not put that hummus in the backpack. It'll get all over the backpack. So what does he do? He puts the hummus in the backpack. Sure enough, we get home from the mall, unpack the backpack. There's hummus all over the fucking backpack, all over it. And I'm like, he turns and looks at me and goes, I told you not to put the hummus in the backpack. I told you not to. And so finally, our friend that was with us, he goes into the bathroom and the friend looks at me and goes, Lexi, I know you told him not to do that. Like, I know what actually happened. I'm like, cool. So we have a witness to the craziness that is happening right now. Like, so that was a thing, you know, and just like constant little things like that on a daily basis, you know. And, um, able to friends, like, what was that sort of, because I know with my, my next, like, she would like she put somebody in our wedding that she had known for like barely a year was he able to keep friends well i think the whole thing about friends and our friends in that group at the time was the first part of our relationship we were in arizona and he was a dj you know and there were drugs involved and so i think a lot of the friends quote unquote that were around us at the time were not really true friends they were there for the music. They were there for the drugs. They were there for not, they weren't really true friends. You know, they were very superficial, you know, and I told him that one time I got mad at him. I was like, you think these people would even be here for you unless you had music and drugs? No, they just want your freaking drugs and your freaking this and that, you know, they don't care about you. These people are just want what they can get from you. And he was like, no, that's not true. You know, I'm like, no, actually it is, bud. I'm sorry to tell you this, but. These people are not your friends. You know what I love? You sound, again, very much like me because I wasn't silent. I would call her out on her bullshit. And, like, I love the fact that you just said that. Like, because, like, you, that gives them the green light to say that you're the abuser because you said something perceivably nasty. That's like, you think they would be here if you didn't play music or have drugs? And, like, they turn it around and be like, see how nasty you are to me? See how nasty you are to me? And you're like... No, but th that's the difference is like it might come off as like um, offensive or whatever, but I'm telling you the truth. Like, yeah, you're the person and like it's almost like, you know, like, yeah, maybe we could do it a little like we could candy coat it a little bit better. But like we're telling the truth because we want you to see that you need to change. You need. Yeah. To I don't know if people are listening to this going like, yeah, but you're still a dick. But like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm telling I'm calling it like it is. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. I'm a very let's call a spade a spade person. Let's not sugarcoat this. Let's not bullshit it. You know, like the you know, like you think something that's not accurate, you know, and I'm just here to tell you that's inaccurate. You know, it's not being a dick. I'm just telling the truth, you know. like Yeah, so where did the story go from there? Um, So he was DJing and stuff. We were doing a lot of couch surfing, uh, just kind of moving from place to place because I thought that he was 
he was living in Scottsdale at the time. And then he got kicked out of that place. So then we were living in Bedlam for a little bit. And then that didn't work. So we were kind of like hopping from friend's place to friend's place. We were living in Bedlam a little bit. That's like, I don't, I don't know where Bedlam is because I'm on the East Coast. But it's so funny. How we were living in Bedlam. I don't know if you know what Bedlam is. It's just anarchy. <laughs> yeah. No, that was the name of the place where I met him. It was like a warehouse called Bedlam. And it was actually a really cool spot. It got taken over by junkies. But it used to be cool. <laughs> so um that happened and then like we were doing the whole thing um we were in gilbert it was around christmas when the abuse started getting physical uh i remember it was in december and he slapped me the first time i remember going out and just sitting and smoking a cigarette and like that whole thing and then the whole black eye thing happened three days before my birthday what was your reaction to when he first hit you um I was just taken aback. I think I went into shock of just like, you know, your brain just kind of goes, what the fuck just happened? Because I think in that moment, your world completely like changes. Like the world that you were living in previously is not the world you're now living in, you know, and because now you're put in this like category, I guess, you know, of like women that have been hit and like everything just shifts. And so trying to wrap your mind around what the fuck just happened? What do I do about what the fuck just happened? You know, and so I go out and I smoke a cigarette and it's cold. Not super cold because we're in Arizona. But I go out and I smoke a cigarette. Everyone's like, oh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just need I just need a minute. I just need to process what the fuck that was. And so, like, I could kind of sense that it was going to come. What? Wait, what happened? People saw him hit you? Yeah. And they didn't. Well, you have to understand these are drug people and, like, people that look up to him. So, of course, they're not going to do anything except for ask me if I'm okay. They're not going to admit what happened. They're just going to be like, hey, are you good? You know, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, of course I'm not fucking good, you idiots. You know, and so um, I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. Just like, give me a minute. I don't care. You know, thanks for your fake concern, whatever. And so I go outside, I smoke a cigarette. I'm like, well, that happened. And now what do I do about it? Because I'm living with this person. My parents are in California at this time. I don't have really, you know, how they isolate you. I don't really have anyone to... Like, what do I do? You know, I'm like isolated, you know. The other options are like, yeah, like you can leave, but now you're going to stay with druggies, which probably isn't the ideal situation. And you feel trapped. Like, where am I going to go? Yeah. So I just kind of played the like, I guess I like, maybe this is a fluke thing. Maybe it won't happen again. Maybe he was just mad. I don't even remember why he yelled at like why we were fighting, why the slap happened in the first place. You know, like there were so many fights. It's hard to even pinpoint you know, what the reason was. Maybe the sky was gray. Maybe he stubbed his toe. You know, it could be anything. Um, And so um, that happened and then it just progressively got worse. We were fighting one night and I, we shared a bedroom and a bed in this trailer. And so I, we were fighting. I was crying. So I remember pulling the comforter over my head and crying. And the next thing I know, I feel a fist hit my face through the comforter, you know, like, and, um, I rip the comforter off. There's blood everywhere. My nose is bleeding. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? You know, and because uh, I'd never been hit in the face before that. Like, not a serious, like, punch. I'd never experienced that. It was, like, the worst pain I ever felt in my life. And, of course, I'm crying. He then hugs me and is holding me because, of course, I'm in pain. I just want to be held. And I'm just needed to be held in that moment. So he's holding me and just like, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Da, 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 you know, and I'm just like. I couldn't even go to work the next morning because I was supposed to work the next morning. I, cu I couldn't stop crying enough to put makeup on. And I love makeup. Makeup is a huge part of my life. Beauty, like I'm a cosmetologist. I do hair and makeup. It's a huge part of who I am as a person. 
and I couldn't stop crying long enough to put makeup on. And so we didn't have a car, so I call an Uber. I get to work, and I bring my makeup with me because I'm like, maybe I can pull it together and just do my makeup when I get there. Couldn't do it. Couldn't fucking do it. And so me and my boss sit down, and I'm like, so I have to go home. I can't. I can't work today. I can't. I can't pull it together. I just can't. And so I went home. Um, I went to get bagels for him, for us, for breakfast. I'm like, I called him. I was like, I'm coming home. I can't. I can't do it. And so, um... I, I stopped at Einstein's and I got bagels and I just remember the shame and the guilt of like walking into this Einstein with a black eye just feeling like everyone is staring at me and they know what happened to me and like intrusively no one was staring at me but in your mind you know you're like everyone sees this and it was just like the most horrific thing <laughs> like aim and embarrassment and depression I get it yeah horrible I'm sorry yeah so that happened and then uh, you know, he took me out for my birthday three days later, amazing steak dinner, spent like $500 on me, like shopping, you know, showered me and all this stuff. It's never gonna happen again, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, you know, I guess, sure, whatever. We're already so deep down the road. Why, you know, bother now? So Wait, how deep were you in the relationship? Like how, how long was this? At that point, it had been a year because it was like we met on my birthday. And so it was a year from that. Um, so we'd been dating for a year then, and, you know, I just felt like I was so entrenched in it. Uh, then finally, he, um, we moved to his friend's apartment after that, and, um, we, I was, I didn't have a job. I had gotten fired from the place I was working at because I was showing up late to work, because, like, then after the, the black eye, my brain just deteriorated. I didn't care about anything. I think I was depressed, you know, to put it lightly. Uh, just didn't care about anything, not even hair, which I love hair, and I just didn't give a crap about anything. And so, um, he's having me fill out these job applications, and I hadn't filled out one of the applications fully. And he's like, did you fill that out? I was like, yeah, totally. And, um, so he grabs my phone, he finds out I didn't finish the application, starts beating me with the phone, um, starts kicking me, start, like, I mean, I went, I was supposed to go fly to California that day, that day. To see my mom for her birthday. And like my birthday present to her was I was going to go visit. You know. And so. I freaking. I got out because I had to go to catch my flight. So I leave. You know. I know I'm never going to see that see him again. He slams the door in my face. You know. And um, I get there. I get to my mom's house. I'm limping. I have a bruise on my head. You know. Like all this shit. And she's like what happened? I'm like oh um, I got drunk and I fell. So I was like, I just got fucked up and I fell. And she's like, no, you know. So finally they're pushing me and pushing me. And I finally am like, okay, fine. You know, he hit me, you know, da da da. So we call the police. Please do nothing, of course. And um, so then I stayed in California. Oh. Why, did the, why did the police do nothing? I mean, you had evidence of bruising and black eyes and stuff. You know. I think because we were calling from California and he was in Arizona, so they had no jurisdiction and stuff. And just like, I just remember the police being like, it was just very, like, not saying this, but, like, the attitude was very, like, and what do you want us to do about it? You know, like, why Why should you're in California? He's in Arizona. I'm like, yeah, well, I had to go to California to get away from him because I was terrified. You know, so, of course, I'm out of state. <laughs> so, like, it was just, I don't know. I kind of have, like, low-key beef with the police because of the way that they handled my situation uh, because it just feels like they did nothing to help me at all. Uh, well, so, check this out. Kind of like an anecdotal thing. Um, it's in the bank. I haven't put it out yet, but I recently interviewed a police officer 
about domestic violence and what they look for. So I'm going to be putting out that episode soon about how police officers respond to domestic violence. That's really cool. That's really important. I think we need to get the police more on our side because um, to jump forward in my story just a little bit, we ended up getting, I was away from him for six months. We got back together. He'd moved to Oregon, which is where I currently am. So I flew to Oregon to be with him. And um, so the whole Oregon thing happened and like the fire, we lived in a hotel. Um, Fast forward to him threatening to kill me which is when I finally got out the second time for good this time, you know? And then the police, the second time when I leave, they're like, I didn't have any physical marks on my body at the time. So they classified it as harassment and they let him out the same fucking day. Literally, he was maybe in jail for a total of maybe six hours and he was out. Scared to death. I was scared to death. I was fucking terrified. I didn't even want to leave the hotel room because I thought he was going to like find me and snipe me. Cause like I was working overnight at a hotel and then um, living in the hotel. And so they're like, well, there's somebody at the front desk. If he comes in the front desk, they'll see him and they'll tell him to leave. I'm like, first of all, he's 6'3". He doesn't listen to anyone. He's not going to say, hey, don't go up there. No, please. That's a joke. You know, and so I was just terrified. Absolutely, like, shaking. Like, could barely walk out the door because I thought, you know, I was going to die or something. He was going to come after me. Let me ask you this. When all this is going on, and you have all this rattling around in your brain, did you want to end it? My life or the relationship? <laughs> but the, the relationship, did you want it to be over? Or were you thinking, how am I going to work on this? Or how are we going to get through this? What was going through your head? Um. Well, I mean, there was so much the second round. Yeah, because I think of it rounds. Like there was the Arizona round, the first round, and then the Oregon round. The Oregon round was so just like next level fucked up like even like more than the Arizona shit because there was um COVID happened so I moved to this new place no no one COVID happens I'm like oh my god that doesn't mind but so we're stuck in a hotel room together during COVID just like a small small space you know and so um he's trading crypto at the time and like doing that whole thing I'm working at a hotel and like I don't know, when you're in such a combined space going through so much, like there was a fire, it's such a trauma bond of just like, I've, we've been through such traumatic experiences together. Like that felt like my person, like that was my safety also as much as it was my harm, you know? Like I, it's so weird to think like, cause like part of me felt safe with him, you know, cause that was supposed to be my protector, but it's also the person that's hurting me. So it's just a really messed up thing in my brain that I still can't really make sense of, you know, like how do you, feel safe and like loved by the same person that gives you black eyes it makes no sense to me so eat this person but i don't know how to leave yeah yeah no because it's like it's like um you want to like part of you does want to leave like i don't deserve this and stuff and then like i think it was in my head i didn't really want to leave so i'm like one more chance just another chance like if he does it again then you know like and i just kept doing that over and over and over again in my head of just like you know like one more time one more chance Cause I don't want to leave that person. Like being in a new state and everything. That's all I have is that person, you know. And so, uh, I mean, it's just it's messed up. The whole thing is just messed up. <laughs> like it makes no sense. Okay. So where did it go from there? Um. Well, from there, after I left him the second time, I um. Luckily, I got an apartment 
my um there's this great thing in Oregon called Access and they help people. You know, I was a victim of the fire, so they helped me with a down payment on an apartment. And I have slowly just like rebuilt my life. Um he lives in Ashland still. He lives like literally right down the street. I work at a grocery store now. He was working at the same like the AT&T store in the same shopping center for me. And I have to go to work for eight hours a day just knowing that he's right down the street from me. Luckily, he got fired. So that's cool. Figured he would be because he's, you know. Have you ever considered getting like a protective order? Um, well, I was told, see, this is back to my beef with the cops. Um, and so um, I thought I had a restraining order against him. They're like, you get an automatic temporary restraining order and stuff. So he came in one night at the hotel at 3 a.m., and was like, I've been watching you. I watched you go get, I watched you go get weed. I, Cause it's Oregon where it's legal here. Uh, I watched you go get weed. I watched you go get food. I watched you go to the gas station and get a soda. I watch you. Because he was staying at the hotel right across the street from me. So creepy ass was watching me the entire time. And that was like the most unsettling thing. And so like he leaves and whatever. I call the police. I'm like, he violated his restraining order. Da, da, da. And they're like, what restraining order? I was like, what do you mean? What restraining order? There's supposed to be a risk. You told me I had a, you know, and they're like, we have no record of any restraining order. And so I'm just like, great. So. Did you sign anything? No. Order? No, they, the way that they phrased it to me was it was just automatic based on the situation. I was told that it just gets put in place automatically for my protection. So I don't have to sign anything. You know, if he calls you, if he texts you, if he comes near you, it's just bad. He can go jail he has the opportunity to contest it yeah and so i thought like it was supposed to be temporary i guess so like later down the road i would have to sign something and whatnot but at that point after hearing that i didn't have a restraining order and i felt lied to um and like my protection and my safety didn't matter they're like well what do you want us to do i'm like i don't care i don't feel safe like what are you not getting about the fact that i don't feel safe right now you know and so i just got so pissed that i'm just like I'm not going to sit down in a room and relay this whole thing to some stranger to get a restraining order. Hopefully, you know, like, hopefully they actually give me the fucking straining, restraining order this time, you know? And so I kind of went into a it's on me thing and I started working out to so like if he comes after me, I'm going to beat his ass, you know? And like, I'm taking this into my own hands. The ever movie with Jennifer Lopez is called Enough? No. The movie with Jennifer Lopez, it's called Enough. I, I mentioned it one other time on this podcast. And like at the climax of the movie, like this killer is like chasing her around the house and uh, she holds up the restraining order to his face and he goes, what are you going to do? Throw it at me? And she whoops his fucking ass. I love that. See, that would be me. That would be me because I'm like, okay, the cops don't want to do anything. Great. I'll do something. You know, so... Yeah, the paranoia and everything, I have knives stashed around my house, you know, like one time a sprinkler was going off and I thought it was him like tapping the house to a house beat because he's a house DJ. And so I'm at 5 a.m. in my closet with a knife freaking out. Turns out it was a sprinkler. Oh, that paranoid. <laughs> like, it's funny. Like, so I'm in an apartment complex and there was one day I was walking back from work and I get off the train. I'm walking up the hill and there's two police cars, right, sitting outside of my apartment. And I sit there and I go, what the fuck is this? And I check my email. Ironically, she's claiming I don't pay child support. And I go, why are there two cops in front of me? So I text my neighbor and I go, hey, I'm scared to death. I turned around on the hill, walked back down. I didn't know what to do. And my my neighbor, I go, let me know when those cops are gone. And she did. And then I was like, nothing ever came of it. 
But like, I don't know why the cops were there. And it's just like that paranoia is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. I think that's one of the worst parts of it. Like, I'm slowly getting away from the paranoia, but like that feeling of like being watched and like, it's just the most unsettling, creepiest thing. And like, I've had stalkers like since then, even like there was some dude turned out to be my neighbor, but he was putting bags of weed in my door. And I like, no, 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 nothing, just weed in the door. And so I'm freaking out. I'm calling non-emergency police going, I have a stalker that's putting weed in my door. And they're like, He's putting a bag of marijuana in your door. I'm like, yes, like freaking out. Yeah, I mean, that's freaky because it sounds like he's trying to like frame you by putting drugs in your door. And then you're the one, you know, ma'am, why would you have drugs in your door? They must be yours. It's not mine. I'm wanting to port drugs on my door. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that it's that because like Oregon, is, it's super legal. There's dispensaries on every street. So it wasn't really anything illegal or something I could get in trouble for. I was just more creeped out by the fact that there's some random person that I don't know. Like, so some random person that I don't know knows where I live, you know, leaving me gifts with no, no. It just was so creepy and unsettling. And so finally I found out with my neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that's kind of like where it stands today. You guys are just trying to stay away from each other and you live in this paranoia. Yeah, I mean, I I just am constantly working on myself, working out, trying to, like, educate people and stuff. Um, yeah, I I don't really see him. I DM occasionally. Like, I saw him at a bar a few nights ago, and I was just like, hi. You know, like, I give him very, like, big sarcasm. Like, have a great night, sweetie. Thanks for the black eye. You know, like. I wouldn't, I would no contact the hell out of him. I mean, I don't know. Have you considered moving? Well, yeah, but, like, I've rebuilt my whole life, and I have a good network here now. I have friends. I have a good job that I love. I love my apartment, you know, and so I've kind of come from the stance of I'm not going to let him take anything else from me. You know, I've rebuilt my life from the ground up, and I'll be damned if I I let him run me out of this town or something. You know, I'm not afraid of him anymore. I used to be terrified of him. I'm not afraid of him anymore. What are you going to do? Beat me? You already did that. Like, you know, so. Look, you. I live to tell about it. Yeah. So I don't think he'll come after me. I think he's scared of me, if anything, which he should be. Yeah. Well, I hope so. But um, speaking of live to tell about it. So if that's where the situation stands now, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your ongoing mission about the podcast, what you're trying to do, you know, some of your plans that are coming down the road. Um. Yeah. So I'm working on starting the podcast um, just to kind of educate people because it needs to be talked about. And um, just to give people a space where they feel heard and like that they can relate and stuff. And so I'm trying to build that whole community. Um, I'm working on kind of like posting my healing journey more on my personal Instagram and kind of work with that whole thing, kind of showing like a more behind the scenes look into everything and like why I'm doing what I'm doing and um, kind of getting in touch with people that want to be on the podcast and that whole thing and just kind of putting everything together and figuring it out as I go along. So amazing. I'm proud of you for doing that. So uh, let everybody know where can they reach you? Where can they get in touch with you? Things like that. Okay. So my personal Instagram is at illylex, I-L-Y-L-E-X 528. And the podcast is called Unsync Pod. It's at Unsync Pod on Instagram. And um, I'm going to be launching the website soon and that'll be unsanko.com. So 
cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I always ask like my guests at the end of at the end of every episode, sort of like their for their final thoughts. It's like Jerry Springer from back in the day. So, do you have any advice for somebody who has gone through a similar situation, whether it be violent or narcissistic or both or whatever? What's your best advice for somebody who's going through it, thinking about leaving, um, or they're just on their healing journal journey and they're thinking about how do I get through this? Um. Well, for the first part of how to, you know, like if you're in it, just try to get out. I don't say get out because I know it's not that simple and I hate when people simplify it like that. But just just know that it's not going to get better. And like you have to get to that point of acceptance and just like really accept what happened to you um, and then move forward from that in any way possible. Um, and then for the healing aspect of things, I would say the thing that has helped me the most is working out fitness just anything physical you can do is like dancing just anything like that is so 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 beneficial it makes you feel so good and like um just repartnering with yourself is a big thing for me too of just like showing yourself that you can do things because narcissists tear down your self-esteem and tear you down to like nothing so constantly being in the act of rebuilding yourself and showing yourself that you could do things like yeah that's wonderful and you know i preach self-care all the time and i say like you know a lot of people are like, oh, I want a healthy relationship. And I'm like, date yourself. Do all those things that you want to do. You know, go to your favorite restaurant, go to your favorite concert, whatever it may be. And then you're going to find like-minded people who feel the same way and, you know, they'll treat you well. Yeah, totally. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for doing this episode with us. I really appreciate it. I, th I think you told a great story. And, uh, you know, before before we got on this podcast, I said to you, like, when it, you were a little nervous. And I said, when it's all said and done, you're going to feel great about doing this. So I hope that you do. I do. I do. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. it um, this is the first time I'm telling my story, so it's kind of cool to actually, you know, here it is. <laughs> Lexi, thank you so much. And uh, for everybody else, until next time.